Hello, welcome to our latest episode of Zertified Fresh. I'm your host, Brian Zamania. This week we've got a pretty great show centered around one topic, one that is critically important to Line Drive. Some would say that Line Drive is only as good as our team. And I may add in that we are only as impactful as our manufacturer portfolio. There's one person who's deeply involved in that, Kristen Cry-Keeley. I'm excited to have Kristen on the pod this week. Besides being a dear friend and a coworker for many, many years and trips and meetings and conventions and trade shows and you get the idea, she also has some really good insight on the evolution of our portfolio strategy and how we're working to drive growth. It takes a team to make this operation run smoothly and to make sure that Line Drive has the best portfolio to offer our distributor and end-user customers. We dish on the overall strategy, changes we've made in how we service our clients, and what that looks like, as well as the future state of portfolio and portfolio management. I even pin her down with one of the toughest questions yet on Certified Fresh. What is the ideal number of manufacturers? Do I get an answer? Mm, Listen to find out. And now, enjoy a portfolio-focused conversation. Sit back, turn up the volume, and stay fresh. All right, next guest on the world-renowned Certified Fresh is a legend around Line Drive. And when I put out a, a call on who would be an ideal guest for the podcast, uh, her name came back over and over again. So everyone, please welcome Kristen Cry-Keeley. <sighs> A legend, wowzy! That's a lot to live up to. It is. Well, you know, I, I think you've earned it. There's a there's a lot of of, of, uh, of, of praise, but a lot of uh, questions. And when we look at uh, our overall business, uh, the portfolio side of things, our, our manufacturer relations is a pretty big piece of it. So there's a lot of people out there in line drive land and others that um, want to understand more, not only about Kristen, but about our portfolio team and our strategy and how we manage day to day, but long. Uh, future thinking as well. So uh, we're excited to have you on here and to have this conversation today. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. And it was, you know, Z provided me with some questions to just think about uh, that we would talk on today. And it was actually a really great exercise to go through to think back on the way things used to be and how they are today and how far we've come. So I'm looking forward to the conversation. That's awesome. So let's talk about back in the day, though. So a lot of people don't know this, but <laughs> line drive is not your first brush with industrial supplies or with maybe some people associated with line drive. Um, I believe back in, the, in your younger days, you started with a company uh, that also was a manufacturer rep. That is true. And actually, I'm going to take it a step one step even further back All from right. that because ISK Industries, which is the manufacturer rep group uh, that JJ, Mitch, Kevin Mullins, Jim Stringini, Jim Callahan, and Chris Tagg, the founders, all work for. I actually started my career in the hotel industry when I was out of college. And I and I was working, living in the city, downtown Chicago, working in the city, living the life, you know, in my 20s. And uh, ISK was actually my customer at the hotel hmm. that I worked at. And I got a call from Mitch Lorish one day saying, hey, we think you're great. You service our account really well. We're creating this new position and we would love for you to interview for it. And so I did. <laughs> 
And that is how I went to go work at ISK Industries. So I started out in, I don't know, I would almost say it was almost like a kind of like a support type of role. And over the four years that I was there, I worked my son. I was part of the Granger team with JJ and Mitch and Kevin and Jim Callahan. And I worked my way into actually managing programs and calling on Granger headquarters um, in Lincolnshire at the time. <laughs> That's how long ago it was instead of Lake Forest. And, uh, you know, after about four years, I decided it was time for a change. And I got a call from somebody at GE Lighting. Uh, to be a dedicated Granger resource here in the Chicagoland area. So I did that for two years, had the big company experience, hated <laughs> every minute of it. <laughs> and uh, from that point, decided to just completely get away from industrial distribution. I went to go work for a local MBA program called Lake Forest Graduate School of Management. And I was a director of admissions there for six years had both of my kids, Gillian and Gabby, while I worked at Lake Forest Graduate School of Management. And at the end of six years there, uh, I decided to stay home for four years. So I was an at-home mom uh, for four years. And then when I was ready to get back into the working world, when Gabby, my youngest, was getting ready to go to full-day kindergarten, I called JJ and asked him if he would be my reference because I was going to start looking for a job. And all of us know JJ. And JJ was like, well, tell me more about that. Like, what are you thinking? What are you looking for? And they had just agreed with MCR safety. At the time, there was roles that were dedicated to MCR safety called business development manager roles. And they had just agreed um, to start or to, to have one of those roles in the Chicagoland area. And so that is how I started my career at Line Drive was as an MCR dedicated business development manager. I just had a like a, a moment here, and not to not to make this about <laughs> myself, but when you mentioned that when you started, Gabby was just starting kindergarten, and you and I were just talking about her college spring break, and I'm like, oh I my know. god, has that much time gone? Has that much time gone on since? <laughs> it's crazy. Oh. It's crazy. Gabby was five when I started at Line Drive. So, that's so. And weird. Gillian had just turned eight. I just think of your kids as like a full formed adult. It's crazy. So you started with the, uh, it, it focused on the MCR and, and that side of it, but uh, you've also had some evolution between from there to, to VP of portfolio. Yeah, so. yeah absolutely. Give us some so highlights. I started, yeah, I started, oh, sorry to interrupt Z. Really? So yeah, I started um, as the MCR dedicated person. So at the time, Anthony Christie was the territory manager yes. in the Chicagoland area. So he and I worked side by side for a while. And then he moved out to Philly to open up, you know, the territory out in the, in the East region, which was awesome. And then I moved into the full territory manager role here in the Chicagoland area. So then I had responsibility for all of our manufacturers, not just uh, the safety related ones. And that transitioned and evolved into me not only supporting like the Grangers and the Fastenals of the world, but also some of the, the what we now call key accounts, mm -hmm. uh, those independent distributors like Connie Safety up, to, up in Madison, Wisconsin, um, Olson Safety, oh, which yeah. I don't even know if that still exists <laughs> anymore, uh, Magid Safety, you know, those types of accounts. So I went down like to central Illinois. I was here in the Chicagoland area for a little while. I was up in Wisconsin, Northwest Indiana, 
Um, so I did that for several years and then uh, transitioned into a, what we now call a strategic account manager role. And I called on Granger and Fastenal for a little while, made some trips up to Winona. <laughs> and simultaneously, uh, we, when we started representing DuPont, and that was, gosh, like in 2012, and JJ was managing our partnership with DuPont, and it was so big, and there was, you know, so many different things happening. I remember talking to him one day and saying, JJ, I, I see that maybe you could use some help in managing some of the day-to-day, like the detail. And I was so engaged with DuPont because of the customers I was calling on. I said, I feel like I can help you with this. And he smiled. And he said, were you in the room when Jim Callahan and I were just talking about how we feel like we need people to help us like be these line leads is what we called him at the time. And so that was my first foray into this concept of us proactively managing our partnerships um, with our manufacturers. And so that started back in 2012. So I continued to do that. There was a whole team of us. Uh, that had responsibility for different manufacturers. We all reported up into Jim Callahan in those line lead roles and ultimately leading to the point where Callahan retired. So then I was basically a strategic account manager calling only on Granger then and leading portfolio as Callahan retired and then in 2018 is when I fully transitioned out of that strategic account manager role and was able to shift 100% of my time to portfolio. So it's been just a little bit over two years since I've been 100% focused on portfolio, right, which so, has been awesome. Yes. Yeah, so think about it. So folks, uh, folks out there, you know, Kristen, she's... Been a spe- she's been a specialist. She's carried the bag. She's managed a territory. She's worked key accounts. She's worked strategic accounts. She's been a line lead in, in various pieces of the portfolio. So um, definitely a, a well-rounded background. So it certainly could possibly be a resource for people out there. Well, you know, I always preface any comment I have about working in the field as back in the dark ages when I worked in the field. Well, you must have done something right. I was actually uh, texting with the (laughs) MSC safety specialist here in Chicago over the weekend. Uh, We're friends. and uh, She was asking how she was actually, how's Kristen doing? I haven't talked to her in a while. So, you know, you've made at least a lasting impression on her. And um, there are other line drivers who know you from back in the day, but I'm going to save that for, that'll be another episode. We talk about that. (laughs) So, but thinking about that, so that's a good uh, a good point that you know you've, we've changed we've evolved from multiple line leads it's myself Jason you others um, were was co-managing or, or basically managing with Jim Callahan playing part of his role uh, and we've evolved to that so talk to us a little bit about you know what's what's been the differences what's what's some of the impacts that, that have happened by having one person really focused exclusively on uh, the portfolio of manufacturer management. Great question. So when I think back on, and you mentioned yourself, Anthony, Jason Nida, Doug Eichner, all of us, you know, basically having dual roles, right? So we were in that line lead role. And then we also, each of us had our other responsibilities, whatever those were (laughs) at the time. And just the inherent challenge of having your time and attention split in multiple ways. And I think that is one of the real benefits of me leading the charge and being, you know, 100% dedicated to portfolio is 
the ability to have that focus. And, you know, when I think back on 2016, after Jim Callahan retired, and I don't know if you remember this, so I was working primarily on managing like the day-to-day with our existing manufacturers and Doug Eichner was leading the charge on new client acquisition. And so it wasn't until I was able to spend 100% of my time starting in 2018 that I really was managing everything in regards to the portfolio. Um, So just that the ability to proactively manage our partnerships Mm -hmm. with our manufacturers to put processes, consistency, execution, accountability in place to have there be internally one point of contact for line drive. You know, like if our manufacturers need something, if they don't know who to go to, they typically, in many cases, will come to me and just be like, Kristen, I just don't know who to ask. I know you can help me. Um, So I think even just from... Uh, being easy to do business with perspective with our manufacturers, that has really helped. When I think about 2020 and what we were able to accomplish from a new client perspective in a very challenging year, bringing on nine new manufacturers, Mm -hmm. I strongly believe that there is no way we could have done that under our previous structure. And it's not only me being able to be focused 100% on portfolio, but Z, I think about you and your role. Remember back in the day when we were line leads and we were trying to do the training for the manufacturers that we had Mm -hmm. responsibility for and build out training. And we were trying to do like marketing things. Um, (laughs) You know, the fact that like you're in your development and capabilities role, the fact that Anthony is leading the charge like on marketing and sales enablement, you know, that we have this awesome HQ team with talent that is amazing. The key account team, same thing inside sales. I mean, there's no way that portfolio could do what it does without all of those other structures and roles and people that are really great mm-hmm. being in those roles. And so I really do view it as a, a, a hugely collaborative effort that helps portfolio to be successful and to quite frankly have the year that we had last year that was unprecedented in line drive history. The other thing that I would say is that it truly is a differentiator for line drive. I have heard from many of our manufacturers, and I like to quote uh, Travis Harris from Zoll. He's like, in his southern accent, he's like, which I am terrible at, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> Try it. Let's um, do this. He's like, Kristen, no one else has a Kristen. And I don't necessarily take that as it's about me, but it's about the role. It's about the decision that Line Drive has made to have someone in this role proactively managing our portfolio and our manufacturer partnerships. And I really do view it as a differentiator for line drive. Now, okay, I got, I got a couple of things I have to hit here. First off, I don't understand how you don't have a t-shirt that says this. Like, or, you know, Where's your merch? We've got hashtags out there, but nobody else has a Kristen. I love it. That, that's, that's... <laughs> it's 
like hashtag Trelsey, right? Yeah. No, no hashtag. No one else has a Kristen. No other Kristen. <laughs> whatever you want to, we'll, we'll workshop this. But um, I, I think that's true. Uh, as you're talking through this, the one thing that stood out when you first started was uh, process improvement. And we've had multiple people come on here and talk about how they're impacting their department uh, and trying to put structure and consistency in there. And those are the words that I love. And I love hearing that. And I think that's uh, company-wide that's been a big, big change. But uh, if I think of, of what you've brought, and, and you and great example of bringing nine manufacturers in a year, there's definitely a process to that. And there's definitely, um, you know, the, the, you just you can't just go at it. And you can't, you know, one person trying this, one person trying that, that we've, we've got processes and procedures, and we've been very uh, consistent of, of executing the right thing to make sure that it goes as successfully as possible. Yeah, I think um, some of the benefits to be more specific are, you know, just having that all-encompassing strategy around what type of new clients are we looking for, what does good look like, the service level stratification that obviously we rolled out last year and continue to execute and learn and get better at. You know, when you if we still had multiple people in that line lead role, um, pulling together all-encompassing strategies like that would be extremely difficult. You know, the execution part of it, you know, the, the focus on the quarterly rocks and now the manufacturer focus areas that we started working on in fourth quarter of last year, you know, when we're so clear around what we're working to achieve, it makes the execution of that so much more focused and narrow and really eliminates, not completely, but really reduces a lot of the distractions that can get in our way of achieving our our goals. You know, just consistency, the the vetting of new clients and having it be the same approach every time, the management of our existing clients and having it be the same approach, like with business reviews, that type of stuff, Uh, the consistency of launching new clients and having there be a, a consistent approach there and how we do that and getting better at it every time we do it. So it's not only process, but process improvement, you know, just the accountability to the goals and doing what we say we're going to do. Uh, we talked a little bit about communication, like the internal one point of contact on portfolio, as mm-hmm. well as the external one point of contact, excuse me, um, And then just the collaboration with all of the other teams. I mean, I strongly believe that the collaboration with all the aspects of each of the sales teams, with marketing, sales enablement, everybody across the board is better than I've ever experienced in my 13 years at Line Drive, which is it's really, really exciting. And then, you know, I think last but not least, just all the elements and I and I touched on this briefly earlier, you know, the, the strategic account managers, the key account managers inside sales, pulling e-commerce into our op, how we're operationalizing that to be similar to how we manage our other manufacturer clients, even if they're e-com only, I think just adds to that overall consistency and execution. Right. I was going to say, it's almost like uh, equivalent to sort of our value prop from a SAM uh, or our strategic account roles. We're, hey, we're so involved in Granger with our other manufacturers that we know how to maneuver and operate. And make sure you're getting the I don't want to say the most bang for your buck, but you're you're getting the stuff that maybe other people don't know. It's at that insight because we're so uh, knowledgeable and focused on that. We can use that repetition to be successful. It's very similar to what you're doing with the manufacturers. Like, hey, this is how we're engaging with X, Y, and Z. Has worked really well. Let's do the same thing with you, and, and we can use that to to drive growth. 
Absolutely. And I think the thing that becomes more and more clear to me, and I actually had been, was working over the weekend on um, how we want to message pulling e-commerce into our overall value proposition. And as, as I was really thinking about that, we really are so much more than just a rep agency. And I know we don't even, you know, obviously we don't even <laughs> really call word. ourselves I that, that word. Right. And we really are consultants because not only is it what you described with the strategic accounts, but when you look at Mike and Matt and Laura and Jenny and what those guys are doing with key accounts, it's not just about the independent distribution network. It's also about what is your wholesale strategy and what is your buying group strategy and how does e-com tie into how you're approaching the industrial and safety space. We really are helping people build their go-to-market strategy in this space. We are not just selling their stuff. And, and, and really, I think more and more lately, we're helping our partners get engaged in the channel, like with ISA and with other organizations. You know, that's one of the things our, our new client team is working on is, What's the next ISA? What other ways can we be engaged in our industry? Can we help our manufacturers be engaged in our industry? And to me, that is how Line Drive is really differentiating itself is just really we are truly a consult, like a go-to-market strategy right. consultancy. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things I think I definitely wanted to talk about is some of the evolution is that in the past, I and mean, this is absolutely simplifying this or boiling this down to like, we've, our, our, our model sort of been like, hey, we're nationwide. So we'll get you into the big guys and we got people everywhere. You know, that's why you should want line drive. And that's what we'll do. And we'll go out and sell. Like, let's drive. Let's get the right marketing materials and let's go. And, you know, you've already mentioned a few different things, but we, we've changed. It's not, you know, yeah. it, it's so much different now is how we, I don't want to say market ourselves manufacturers, but also how, to, how we engage with manufacturers and how we plan and collaborate with them that there's more than just a field sales team. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the other thing when I, when I think about that part of it and what makes us different, I, you know, our culture of accountability and the focus on results. And, you know, we've talked a lot over the past year about how we need to service our clients differently in order to continue to grow profitably. And so I think that those types of concepts are really driving a lot of these changes and how we do service our clients and how we continue to differentiate. You know, when you look at our 2021 bridge and how we're going to get to our growth number. Every aspect of the business is involved and is participating and contributing to that growth number. It's not just the field sales team. It's not just the inside sales team or the HQ team or portfolio or marketing. We all have a role to play in helping us get to that number and Again, that really is exciting to me because it's it's more clear than it's ever been in the past, like what our strategy is and how we're executing to it. Right. Yeah. I think of, you know, the additional stuff we've done with inside sales campaigns, with building out marketing campaigns, whether it's Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, other placements, you know, paid media. Um, there, there's so much more that we uh, we're doing and we're aligning. I, I even from 
you know, taking it down, I'm not going to name names, but there's one manufacturer when I talk to their marketing lead and ask for materials, the, the response is always like, well, why don't you guys just do it? Just, it's so much easier and faster and probably better if you create it, you know? So there's, so there's and this is not, this is not one of our small ones, you know? It's, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting to see how they, uh, have come to, I don't say rely on, but see line drive as, as an extension and, and, you know, of marketing, of campaigns, of strategy for their own sales growth. Absolutely. And I think when we look at new manufacturer clients, culture is one of the criteria that we really look at. And I think the example that you just described, Z, is perfect because culturally, that's the type of manufacturer that we want to engage with. It's difficult to engage with manufacturers that still treat us at arm's length, that they are the master and we are the 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 service Servants. provider, right. and we shall do what they say. Uh, that is a very old school way of operating with a rep group, and that is certainly not the type of partnerships that we're looking for today. Right, definitely. And we'll talk about some of the, the business reviews later, but you want to have that collaboration, the spirit. It's certainly not us saying, here's what we did for you. Please be nice to us. Please cut a check. You know, it's, it's definitely like, how are we in this together, and, and what are we all doing to drive that number? Yeah, and I think another good example of that, just thinking back to fourth quarter of last year, when we sat down and had those conversations with our manufacturers about planning for the upcoming year and what is the growth goal and what are the focus areas and what's going to get us to that growth goal, our manufacturers are not used to having those kinds of conversations with us. And in many cases, we're pushing the envelope with them to really think more strategically about their business. And in many cases, they make us better, but in many cases, we really do make our manufacturers better as well. Yeah, I I think that's a good piece. And I I want to touch on that. You talk about the fourth quarter planning, but, you know, focus areas, and you mentioned it earlier, you know, that's one of the uh, evolutions, I guess I would say, of how we we work. And, you know, can you talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, what drove, you know, uh, creating these focus areas and and how does that come about? And it's something we have pretty much across all manufacturers. It is. It is across all manufacturers, and it really, the whole goal is to help our team and the manufacturer's team to understand what is really going to drive our growth in 2021, and then we'll go through the same exercise for 2022, because we know that our manufacturers can be the the greatest detractors Mm -hmm. from focus, and Sometimes they get very distracted by the next shiny object and uh, and taking us away from what could really drive the business. So it really is geared to all of us agreeing, yes, this is where we're going to focus our time and our, and our energy. You know, again, talking about mm-hmm. minimizing the distractions and the things that could pull us away from that. I think the other benefit of the focus areas is it actually provides us with the structure to say no. And this is part of what we talked about in some of those town halls, like when XYZ manufacturer comes to me and says, but hey, look at this shiny thing over here, Mm -hmm. we can say, well, wait a minute, I thought we were focused on these four areas and that we'd agreed that those were going to drive our business. Help me understand how that ties into those focus areas. And so it allows us to challenge, I think, in a really positive way. And the other part is just, you know, how we're measuring it. Uh, as a sales leadership team, uh, we go through the eight, the the different types of manufacturers and how we're servicing them and the focus areas on a monthly basis. 
and we're identifying where we're hitting and where we're missing. And obviously, if we're missing, what is our strategy and our plan of action for how we're going to address that? Right. And I would uh, just for the, for the listeners out there, if you're not familiar with the focus areas uh, for your key manufacturers, I certainly would uh, have that conversation either with your manager or give Kristen a call and she can absolutely sure. walk you through. But uh, we want to make sure that you're all comfortable in, in knowing, uh, I don't say where to hunt, but where we should be focusing our attention on. Um, thinking about portfolio balance, as I'll call it. We're going to come to a whole segment. This is called everything that all the people listening wanted to actually ask and know about. But um, we think about the portfolio balance and we talk about, uh, you know, there's going to be a big focus on multi-line selling this year and and really leveraging that. Uh, Where do you see the balance and and how do you see um, the shape and and the makeup of of what our manufacturers from a category or product or size? Great question. When I look at our portfolio, worker safety and facility productivity still are extremely top of mind. When we're talking to new clients and we're determining fit, you know, do they play in those areas? And obviously, they're pretty broad. Um, so that's a, it's a good starting point, yeah. right? And then as we dig deeper and we have conversations with prospective new clients, we're talking about what are the key verticals where you play and how do those align with where we're strong today or potentially where do we see us being strong in the future and we know we're putting an emphasis in that particular area. You think about for our field sellers, decision makers. Mm-hmm. Are we still calling on a safety manager, an EHS professional, a maintenance manager, a plant manager? If we're asking our team to go talk to somebody that we're not talking to with any of our other manufacturers, it becomes a one-off and it makes it then extremely difficult to to potentially bundle that manufacturer with others. And so that's why, and, and Z, obviously you're playing a big role in helping our team understand how to bundle. What does that look like? What does it sound like? The team has chimed in with some really great examples, real world examples of how they've done that and how they've been successful. But that is absolutely, I mean, I just literally had a conversation with a prospective manufacturer last Friday and that was one of the biggest questions and we're very upfront and transparent about that is if we can't figure out a way to bundle your products with our other manufacturers, then we there's no point in us talking any further. Uh, so that definitely is, is a big part of it. Uh, the value proposition, mm-hmm. what problems can we solve with these manufacturers' products or, you know, potentially right. services as mm-hmm. we're, you know, playing around a little bit with that. Certainly, uh, current and future earning potential are well, a significant wow. part of the process and the balance and, you know, when you look at where we're at today, you know, we have a couple manufacturers where we are piloting and we are trying something a little bit different and new. You know, you look at S.W.O.R.D., you look at Rockford Systems, we feel that they've got a really great value proposition that's meaningful, that we're solving problems with their solutions, mm-hmm. and we believe that the potential upside there is strong. And so we've taken, I would say a couple of calculated risks in our portfolio to see what we can do there. Yeah, I think that's interesting. And I, I really seize on that one piece you said about, um, 
you know, think, think of the same personas or whatever, you know, if it, not maybe putting verticals aside, but if we're, where we're in the facility, we're having a conversation about manufacturer X, can we roll, uh, naturally roll manufacturer Y into that? And, you know, things like Sword and, and, and Rockford, we are pioneering in a way, but we're still talking to the same people. The person who cares about worker safety is probably going to care about machine guarding and hydration. You know, there, there's definitely uh, similar factors that are in play there. Um, yeah, I, I think sometimes where the challenge can come in is more for our HQ team as, you know, because it's, it's kind of similar where they have decision makers, right, product managers right. at all of those accounts where if we bring on a manufacturer that's outside of those spaces that they're potentially calling on a product manager that they've never engaged mm. with previously mm. and they're having to start from square one on building trust, building a relationship potentially with someone that may not know who Line Drive is or ha- hasn't had any interaction with us. So, you know, it's not just thinking about that for the field or the inside sales team, but for the HQ team as well. Yeah, very good point there. Very good point. Um, I got to ask the question. What's the ideal number of manufacturers, Kristen? Come on, unlock this. <laughs> unlock it. Oh, it's it's another good question, Brian's mania. So here's my response. And I, I will I'm gonna just Folks, she's she's pulling out up she's front. she's pulling out a, a, a prepared statement on this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not giving you a number because it doesn't exist. So I think one of the great advantages of service level stratification is that we view this question through a completely different lens and that service levels and how we, I'm going to use a Jim Stringini term, pull the levers (laughs) to grow a manufacturer sales number is completely different than how we looked at it even a year ago, I would say, which to me is really exciting and presents a lot of opportunities. Whereas prior to the service level strategy, we really talked about, like you were saying before, we cover 50 states, we've got this great team of outside sellers. And not to take anything away from our great team of outside sellers, but we have a lot of other teams of sellers that play a significant role in driving our manufacturer's business. And Mm -hmm. so I think because of all those dynamics, we are able to view the number of manufacturers that we can represent very differently because we're not just counting on one team, one part of our sales team to make that happen. And so it's, it's hard to give a specific number, really, especially now, because we're still building out the structure and the process, especially like with the inside sales team and how we're executing and the different ways that that team can execute different strategies to help grow our manufacturer's sales number. And so even if we could put a number on it, I still feel like it's too early in our execution of service level strategy to say that because the other thing that can happen is if the inside sales team and sales enablement and everybody else still does what they need to do to grow the number, 
we could add people to those teams to expand right. our capacity and who knows what that could look like. So I think we're still learning so much. And quite frankly, I could give you a number today and it might change tomorrow because because of the nature of our business, you know, our contracts, some of our manufacturers, we have a 60-day exit. A lot of them, we have a 90. You know, our goal is to be at 120. So if we're going to part ways with somebody, we've got some some room to to adjust and to go after that revenue in a different way. Um, but, you know, that number could change because we could part ways with a significant manufacturer tomorrow and then that changes everything. And we basically then need to work to replace that revenue that we know we're going to lose because of the departure of a manufacturer for whatever reason Mm -hmm. it is. Um, So a big part of what I've been working on and taking a more proactive approach is planning for that because it is the nature of our business. You know, manufacturers are going to come and go whether we decide to part ways or whether they decide to part ways for whatever reason. And it's all about how we're proactively planning just for a dynamic that is the reality of the business that we are in. And me being 100% focused on portfolio allows for the time and the energy and the strategy to do that. So I know I didn't really I was- answer the then yeah but it's really tough <laughs> i was like i was gonna give you a hard time be like that was a quality pr effort of a completely avoiding <laughs> any sort of answer there but I mean, maybe the, the i think you, you said it before but there is no number you know and given the evolution of, of many aspects of the business you can't you know as we change we can't say it's this and now it's you know it, it's different in the scenario so there's not one number but there's many factors and, and you gave us some good insight on what those factors are that would determine maybe more of a um uh, workload or, or an expectations load versus just a strict number. Right. And as long as we're doing what we say we're going to do and we're growing our manufacturer sales, and I know we've all heard Carlo talk about this a lot, then we should be able to reduce our churn if we're doing right. everything we say we're going to do and we're actually growing sales. So, it, But in the case, uh, so maybe we uh, as we're always evaluating, you mentioned before talking about a, a potential prospect or a prospective uh, manufacturer to partner with. Uh, I know our team, whether they're out in business meetings or trade shows or uh, airport clubs or whatever it is, is constantly running into um, you know people, manufacturers or companies that are interested in us. So what are mm-hmm. we looking for in, in a new manufacturer and, and how can Line Drive help with that process? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So certainly commission and current state on commission and what we could earn as well as future opportunity for growth is a significant part of any conversation that we're having with the new manufacturer. Uh, And again, that what what level of commission we're willing to accept very much plays into where does our portfolio sit today? And are we in a position where we can be picky about who we would choose to bring on or are we in a position where you know, we've got some revenue to replace and maybe we're more open to trying different things or to taking on a manufacturer because we know we have revenue to replace. And so just the dynamic of 
where are we at today with our portfolio definitely plays into what level of commission are we willing to consider. I would say today, we're in a really great position with our portfolio. And we are in a position where we can afford to say no Mm -hmm. more than we say yes. So certainly, commission is a big piece of that fit, which is, you know, we, we touched on that earlier. Can we bundle sell? Can we tell a good story? Do we have a significant value proposition that resonates at the end user level and allows us to solve problems for them? Um, the culture of the company and mm-hmm. how we would work together as partners. You know, what's the growth potential? What's the size of the market? What's the opportunity? You know, we talked about our business circumstances in regards to churn. You know, we are always trying to find ways to best evaluate our capacity. You know, we've got to look at that. Um, and then as far as how can line drive help, you know, I think for our field sellers, for our inside team, our HQ team, ears to the ground, mm-hmm. what pain are they hearing about at the end user level they're having a hard time solving? I think that's, yeah, that, that's a good point there. Um, for channel, you know, and, and we've gotten this feedback, man, this manufacturer has great products, but their support of us stinks. Right. I wish they would hire line drive. You guys should talk to these guys. You know, those are typically the types of referrals that we'll get, uh, from the channel, which is awesome. And then of course, you know, we've got the referral program in place where line drivers, if they refer, a client that actually, or a prospective client that becomes a client where they earn a percentage of the commission that we make in the first six months of that partnership. Uh, so Matt Scott, Bosch, Al Wagner, Dunlop, Mike Hildebrandt, Sword, Kelsey Dolan, Utility Management Services, you know, whatever m- money Line Drive is earning in the first six months, they're getting, they're getting a piece of that action because of their referrals, which is pretty sweet. I need to talk to more people. <laughs> I gotta get out of my uh, my tiny office and go go meet some people, get some cash. Um, that, that thank you. That's that's good insight. Um, I just want to touch real quickly um, on sort of a, just overall servicing. You know, we talk. Um, I don't want to say day in the life, but what would be sort of just a typical uh, manufacturer engagement with the different programs? You know, how are you touching and working with them, and what, and what does that look like? So certainly business reviews are a big part of what I'm doing and coordinating with all of the other sales departments. You know, we've got different cadence depending upon service level, different content, different team members engaged in that process. There's the communication that happens in between those business reviews, certainly not just being done by me, but across all of the members of our sales team and some former fashion, you know, just that ongoing communication about how we're driving day-to-day business, uh, certainly working on the launch process, improving that, planning for new client launches, which in 2021 was like a a constant and never-ending process and working with you on the training and, you know, getting the team engaged um, in that process as well. Uh, putting into place like an internal review process for how are we evaluating our current manufacturer partnerships? What does the profitability look like? Uh, what does the fit look like? Uh, and if we had to identify manufacturers where we had issues that needed to, to be addressed, how would we go about 
doing that. You know, one of the things that's part of the bridge for portfolio this year is uh, commission increases. And do we think that there are viable opportunities for commission increases? So doing those types of evaluations. So again, just being able to take more of that proactive approach and how we're managing the portfolio because I can be 100% focused on it is, is really significant. And, you know, we've even been able to change for our new clients, how we're engaging with them out of the gate and establishing better upfront contracts with them about how long does it really take to get a program set up at like a Granger or Fastenal and managing expectations around that. And, you know, then when does our field team really get engaged? Because without a program, it doesn't make any sense and they're spinning their wheels. And, um, you know, just the monthly calls that we do with them for the first six months with a new client and how we're engaging with them differently uh, because of how it's being proactively managed. So I think that all goes back to one of the first questions you asked around what are some of the good outcomes because of the focus. And I think those are all really great examples. Right. I I 100% agree with you. I think um, the the big piece there and and being behind the scenes on some of this, not that I'm anyway an insider, but um, setting the right expectations when we bring new manufacturers on and and having... um, I don't say a process, but you know, having a measured way of how we're engaging different teams at different points and, and being very upfront about that has really helped um, overcome some frustrations on everyone's side. Yeah, agreed. So wrapping agreed. up, I, w- I always want to get a little get a little personal to finish this off. And uh, in our, our little conversation beforehand, I already learned something new about Kristen. Um, <laughs> apparently, Kristen is a very talented artist, or maybe a, a painter. And, oh. And I'm being generous here, so I have not seen any of the work, yes. but uh, uh, in her spare time and when she eventually gets more spare time with no kids around, Kristen loves to paint. But what else don't we know about K3? So when I was little, I was so shy. I would hide behind my mother's legs whenever I was meeting anyone new because I was horrified by meeting new people. In high school, I was our intramural ping pong champion. So whenever our line drivers are all together again, I challenge anyone to a ping pong match. Wow. That's all right. (laughs) Um, The first time Kevin Keeley, my husband, met my parents. Now, mind you, I was 28 years old when Kevin and I met. My mother showed him the VHS video of me doing the news at WEIU, which was the TV station that I worked at because I thought I wanted to go into broadcasting. She showed him that video the first time that um, he ever met my parents. And he still married me, which is amazing. Um, My children call me Demon Kristen. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) This came from a college trip that Gilly and I did, just the two of us, when she was a junior in high school. We were driving from Manhattan, Kansas, to Macomb, Illinois, in the pouring rain. And we had a series of unfortunate events that led me to show my true, sassy, and sarcastic self with my then junior in high school. And she got to hear my mouth like a truck driver um, <laughs> on a couple of occasions. And that, that is how the name Demon Kristen was formed. And Carlo would tell you that he just calls me, that's 2021 Kristen, which is basically <laughs> the same thing. DK. And last but not least... I am addicted to my hydro rowing machine. 
And my goal is to hit a million meters in 2021. So if you're talking to not DK, if it's just regular K, if it's K3, uh, good point. <laughs> Make sure you get an update on where we're at for our mil- million kilo. What was it? Million kilometers? Uh, a million meters. So million I'm meters. at, okay. yeah. as of this morning, I'm at um, like 288,000 so far this year. All right. So we're a little bit before, depending on this, when this release, we're a little bit before the quarter change. So it <laughs> seems like you're doing pretty well so far. I oh, am. Yeah. It's good. I love it. All right. Wrapping up, I always want to ask, especially people who've been around for a while and have seen, seen a lot uh, and been part of a lot, what is your favorite line drive memory? So this is another back in the day memory. Back in the day when we did sales meetings in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and we had award ceremonies. <laughs> All right. <laughs> There was one year where we got to choose our own walk-up music, and I was struggling with which song I should choose, and so Kevin and the girls were helping me. And we came up with This Girl is on Fire by Alicia Keys, and I was a little hesitant because I felt like, yeah, it's a little, yeah, it might be a little cocky. And Kevin and the girls were so sweet, and they were like, Mom, if you win awards, it's because you deserve it and you can be cocky about that. <laughs> and so uh, that was the song that I went with. And I actually got to hear it a couple of times that night. And uh, it just is a really great, it's a, mem- it's a great memory just because of, you know, recognition for achievement, but also like a great family memory because even now, whenever we hear that song, everybody's like, mom, it's your song. You know, it's sweet. I a hundred percent agree. I think that night you're being, you're being humble that night. I heard that song probably like 10 times. So <laughs> it was like, oh, this again, but you were on fire. And I, and I actually, I, every time I hear the song, I do think of you as well. So Aww. it's got a, a strong resonating, uh, theme or string there. So Kristen, uh, thank you. We covered a ton. This has been really beneficial. And I think for, for the, the wider audience to understand, uh, where we've been, where we're going and, and how you're approaching this, um, has been really insightful. So thank you. Thank you, Zeke. Really appreciate it. It's always great to talk to you. Great. Thanks. Well, that's our show. Another fresh look into the workings of Line Drive. Thank you all for listening, and thanks for Kristen for hopping on. Hopefully you learned something new about Line Drive, our customers, and our team. Subscribe on your chosen platform, smash that like button on Teams, and of course, reach out if you have an interest in a topic concerning Line Drive or our partners. Certified Fresh is a Line Drive production. Your host and executive producer is me, Ryan Zamania, and our technical producer is Amy Struckmeyer. <laughs>